This is hour number two of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where each and every Sunday we get together, we talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. This is also, in hour number two, the best place to get uh, your coverage of Trump's sanity in all of talk radio. And I mean that sincerely. No one understands and has the courage to discuss uh, this incredibly important issue of Trump's sanity, uh, more so than the John and Leah show. Uh, in hour number three, we will get to other topics of the week. Uh, but, folks, this is this is really important, and it's really extraordinary, and so it deserves full analysis, especially when the vast majority of the rest of the conservative media isn't giving it to you. So we'll give it to you here on the John and Leah show. We only care about the truth. And what's going to happen, we don't really care very much about providing you with a narrative that's going to make you feel better, uh, especially if it's a fairy tale that's not true. Now, before we get directly to Trump, I do want to just have a couple more thoughts on Cruz, since we've Mm -hmm. discussed Rubio and Kasich and Cruz. And I know you're a big fan of Cruz. He's still my guy, but he needs some work. Okay, well, here's the deal. Um, The Cruz theory here is, and I've done the math on this, so I understood. In fact, I told the Rubio people a couple weeks ago, said, I I understand what the Cruz people are doing. They think they can get clobbered on March 15th, and if Kasich and Rubio get out, they can still keep Trump from 1237, the magic number, and then they can win at a contested convention. I've done that math. I understood why they believe that. But there's already some indications that the math is based on a couple of faulty premises. Okay. The first faulty premise is Kasich didn't get out. Correct. Now, that's a problem. It's a problem, for instance, in Utah because while there was a poll indicating that Cruz gets over 50 percent in Utah, and by the way, Trump gets slaughtered. uh, Boy, the Mormons really, really, really do not like Donald Trump, uh, which I can understand. If Cruz gets over 50 percent, then he'll win all the delegates in Utah, and it won't matter that Kasich is for some reason campaigning there. If Kasich campaigning there keeps Cruz under 50 percent, that's a big problem because then those those delegates, I think there's 40 of them in Utah, get split up. And so Mm. Cruz doesn't get that margin. But much more importantly than Utah, there was a poll out of New York this week. And to me, this poll, if it's even remotely accurate, was by far the most important piece of information we got this week. Here's the poll. In New York, Trump's Uh-oh. home state, yeah. Trump is leading the three-person field by 52 points. 52 <laughs> points. Oh, Six, this is crazy. 64, 12, and Kasich gets... One percent, twelve for Cruz, one percent for Kasich. Now I don't think I, I don't. I, mean, I know because it's I have a pretty good sense of my own opinion, so it's kind of silly for me to say. I think I don't believe that that poll is accurate. That, that that just doesn't pass the smell test. But if it's even close, if it's even remotely close to accurate, here's what that means. That takes New York, which is not a winner-take-all state and happens to have the most delegates. It's the largest state there is, okay? That takes what was a proportional state and effectively makes it winner-take-all because if those numbers numbers are even close, 
Trump sweeps all the delegates. That's almost 200 delegates that he was, that the cruise people, because I've done the numbers, the cruise people were thinking, well, you know, if we can lose 55, 45, something like that, and maybe get a couple of congressional districts, maybe Trump only nets 40, 50 delegates. Uh-uh. He's on track now to, to net all of them. All of them. And if that is any close to what's going to happen in New Jersey, and there's no reason to think it's not. New Jersey is, is going to be a very similar New situation. New Jersey's not going for Ted Cruz. Right. It's. I kept saying this. You know, Tell me how Cruz wins New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Rhode Island. How, how does that happen? It's not going to. Okay? Only if he totally changes everything about himself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my point is this. The, the premise of the Cruz strategy was one case it gets out which didn't happen and two of a, based on a fairly optimistic now maybe too optimistic uh projection on how they could do in some of these northeastern states now let, don't get me wrong cruz is gonna beat trump if he can't if he ever gets the one-on-one he's gonna beat trump in a lot of these western states but they don't have any delegates mm. and, and they're all proportional so, right. so you can't rack up big scores. So, And the, who wins California? Well, that's an interesting situation since obviously I live in California. You used to live in California when we worked together at KFI. I'm, you know, it's going to come down to California. I don't think Trump will be able to get to the magic number 1237 before California because there's 172 delegates at stake. Um, but the polling there is not good for Cruz, especially in a three-person race. In a three-person exactly. in a three-person race, Trump will win California easily, and he'll win almost all the congressional districts, which again would make it maybe not to the extent of New York, but he would win the vast majority of the 172 delegates, which would almost certainly. You keep hearing he's not going to get to 1237. He's not going to get to 1237. Guess what? <laughs> I think he's going to get darn close if New York and California turn out anything like what the current polling is. Then the, the whole 1237 theory is shot to smithereens and, you know, Trump will be the nominee. Now, there's a whole argument this week about what happens if he's close. And I I am baffled. I'm going to riot. Yeah, let, let's let's talk about that. I mean, we, 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 uh, you know what? Let's take a break because this is too important to go up against a break. So so yeah, if 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 he gets to twelve, not to twelve thirty-seven, and he doesn't get the nomination anyway, even though that's what the rules indicate is more than legitimate. Trump says his people might riot. Let's talk about it on the John. I'm ready show. to loot. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. You Come on. You know conservatives Isn't don't. Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Conservatives don't do that kind of thing, Leah. You know Excuse that. Excuse me. Can I have that? I'm going to take this. <laughs> I can just see in South Central L.A. them going rioting because Donald Trump got the nomination stolen from him in a convention in Cleveland. All right. Uh, we'll get to all this and more when we come back on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. All 
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. And uh, there's a lot of talk this week about whether or not Donald Trump will ever get to the magic number of 1237 delegates needed to be the Republican nominee at the convention in Cleveland in July. Of course, Trump said at the debate that this is a totally random number. Yeah. (laughs) Artificial. Artificial number that was just randomly chosen. It just happens to be one one more than made the majority. Made up by somebody. <laughs> well, made up by somebody. It's so symbolic of the fact that Trumpsters, Trumpsters his supporters, are so bad at math uh, yeah. that, that he never bothered to look at it and go, oh, wait a minute. This is exactly 50% plus one, um, which is what you need to get a majority of the delegates. And... Um, you know, the conventional wisdom right now seems to be Trump will not get there, but that he might be able to get over the hump by, for instance, bribing some of Rubio's delegates, most of whom are now effectively free agents. Uh, and that and there's even a thought that if he's close enough, we ought to just give it to him because we don't want to risk pissing off all of his supporters, which Trump further facilitated this narrative this week when asked what would happen if if he was essentially, in his mind, robbed of the nomination at the convention, and he effectively said, I think there would be riots. Let's hear what he actually did say, Leah. We think the important principle in the... Sorry about that. That is not the right one. (laughs) Yeah. Hush up, Mitch. (laughs) How about some Trump? All right, let's see here. Let's see here. Hello, where's my where's my Trump? I not, got it. Okay. If we're you know a hundred short, and we're at eleven hundred, and somebody else is at five hundred or four hundred, because we're way ahead of everybody, I don't think you can say that we don't get it automatically. I think it would be. I think you'd have riots. I think you'd have riots. You know, we have. We're, I'm representing a tremendous, many, many millions of people. If you disenfranchise those people. And you say, well, I'm sorry, but you're 100 votes short, even though the next one is 500 votes short. I think you would have problems like you've never seen before. Well, I think I think it would I think bad things would happen. I really do. I believe that I wouldn't lead it, but I think bad things would happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love and some I cons- wouldn't lead it. Right. Some conservatives, in fact, even Rush Limbaugh, let him off the hook because of that last line. I wouldn't lead it. I just I just said it's going to happen. And, right. you know, I've, I've enabled it in my my, my followers listen to everything I say and tweet, uh, and so I've planted the idea in their heads, but right. I'm not going to lead any riots if that happens. All right, let, let's, let's examine the absurdity of this. Okay. The, the first level of absurdity is the rules are you get 1237 because it's a majority, all right? Um, okay. I, I get that to, to people who are not educated about the process, they go, well, it just doesn't seem fair. Well, um, why not? Those are the rules. The primaries and caucuses are really nothing more than a suggestion to the national convention unless someone locks down 1,237 delegates. Now, again, I think there's a darn good chance Trump's going to get it. More, I, I'm, I'm in, the, in the camp that thinks that's more likely than not at this point because of the way this is all going down, especially the fact that Kasich won't get out and because he's Trump's polling so well in New York and to a lesser degree uh, here in California. But let's pretend this is what happens. Here's the analogy I, I use, Leah. So um, the Republican Party was having a party. That's what parties do. Uh-huh. They were having a party at a, at a house, yep. at their house, right? And um, And there were a bunch of people who knocked on the door who were uninvited. 
they're, they're led by this guy named Donald Trump. He's brought a bunch of people into the party. He says, hey, can we come in? Uh, he, 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 by the way, he paid off the doorman. Uh, of course and, he did. Right. And, and they, they got into the party. They, they were let in. And there were a lot of them, but they weren't a majority of the p- people at the party. They were probably about, I don't know, 36% of the people at the party. <laughs> and, um, and they decided— They brought good champagne, though. Right. And, well, yeah, they were, they were ruckus, this group. They were very ruckus, and a lot of people thought they were a lot of fun. Yes. Um, and so uh, in the course of this party, they took over the house where the party <laughs> was taking place. They just took it over. In fact, they said, it's our house. And uh, and their leader det- determined that uh, he was going to own it, and um, and oh by the way, not only was was the, their leader and all of his 36% followers, they're going to stay in the house, they're going to squat in the house. It's not their house. They're going to be squatters. They're not going to leave, and they're going to force the owners of the house, the Republican Party, to pay all the utilities while they take over the house and squat in it. That, that that's effectively. What the Trump people are doing. And, and by the way, we're supposed to treat them super nice. And, and, and even if they don't abide by the rules, and if, even if they don't get to 1237, which is what the rules say, we're supposed to let them keep the house. I mean, no, you don't get to keep the house unless you get 1237. That it's, yeah. it's pretty simple. Um, people look at it, though, and go, but he's winning. He's got the most votes, but he really doesn't. He's only got 36%. He's never gotten 50% in one state. He came close in Massachusetts. He, he will in New York, barring catastrophe. Uh, probably New Jersey and Connecticut, Rhode Island. But as of right now, he has never gotten 50% in one contest. Romney got over 50%. In most states, after the whole thing, you know, was basically settled between you know a couple people left, uh, but that's not what's happening with Trump, and I don't expect it to happen in most of the states. Uh, in fact, I, I mean, it's just so f- frustrating because there's so much ignorance. But what's really blo- mind blowing is that so many quote unquote established re- Republicans like Lindsey Graham are actually facilitating this whole notion that if he's close enough, ah, just give it to him. Um, right. And I, I have, I mentioned this last week, Leah, and I got further evidence this week that I was right about what I said, that if this goes to a second ballot, Trump is in big trouble. I, I told you about a minor little effort that, that I'm part of uh, in California to basically have fake Trump delegates go to the convention and be set up to vote against him if it goes to a second ballot when they're free agents. I heard the same things happening in Kentucky from a very reliable source that this oh, is that this is a a a an actual effort to pick people as delegates who are going to be committed to Trump on that first vote but if there's a second vote they're going to abandon him like you've never seen before because they're not Trump people and most are asking the, for a riot <laughs> well <laughs> how how insane is that? That that's your. If you don't get your way, you're gonna have a riot. But by the way, we're supposed to vote for you if you're the nominee. We're supposed to hold our nose and hey. vote for you. But you're gonna riot if we don't give you the nomination. It works for the BLM. It's terrorism. You're right. It's that's what he is effectively facilitating terrorism. All right. Um, more on this when we come back on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. 
This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Leah, I'm thinking that um, we probably ought to start officially a a segment on the program called Can Donald Trump Win? Okay. Um, And if we do so, this will be the first um, of that uh, particular episode uh, or segment. Um, And basically what we will do is we'll take a look at the evidence as it accumulated in each week to answer the question, can Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton? Because it's almost certain he's going to be the nominee. It is still very theoretically possible for it to be uh, taken away at the convention. And I think it should be taken away from him at the convention if he doesn't get 1237. Uh, So I'm not fully acknowledging he's the nominee, but we have to at least accept that that's the most likely scenario. And, of course, the number one question that no one seems to want to ask is, can Donald Trump win? Now, now keep in mind that uh, my calculations, which I've discussed numerous times on this program, were almost entirely done before I found out the earth-shattering news that Scott Bayo has <laughs> endorsed Donald Trump. Yeah. And, and we all know, as goes Chachi, so goes the nation. So Correct. keep that in mind, that the Scott Bayo endorsement has not fully reverberated through the polling industry, and that could change everything. But uh, here is the path, and I don't know why um, I haven't mentioned this sooner, because it's fairly obvious. Maybe it was the cloud of smoke that the Trump campaign and Trump himself has has tried to spew out there to obfuscate what this path really is and how incredibly narrow it is. But here is the Trump path to victory, and it is the most narrow path I have ever seen in my 40-some years of following presidential politics far more closely than anyone ever should, especially as a young kid growing up in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Uh, Here's his path. For all the talk of he changes the map and all the rules of gravity and, you know, everything's new and different because of Donald Trump. That's all bullcrap. For all that talk, the path is fairly simple, but as I mentioned, incredibly narrow. The path is to win all the Romney states from 2012, which mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to do. But that's in theory, that's you know, in Trump's mind. I guarantee he thinks, well, hell, that loser Romney won dime. the state. Yeah, that's exactly I, I, right. I'm going to win that state easy. If a loser like <laughs> Romney can win it, I'm Donald freaking Trump. So, he, <laughs> so in his mind, remember, he's basically his own campaign manager when when his real campaign manager isn't beating people up. Correct. Uh, so, um, so in his mind. You know, he's going to win all the states that Romney won because he's better than Romney. He's then going to win Florida because, after all, it's his second home state. He owns lots of property there. He won the primary easily there. So he's going to win. So he's going to win Florida, even though a general election is totally different than a primary election. And even though he's pissed off uh, an enormous number of Republican voters with the whole little Marco thing destroying uh, their home state senator. uh, But despite all that, he's going to win Florida. He's also then going to win Ohio, 
which is why he's been fairly nice to John Kasich all this time and why I do think he's considering Kasich, although Kasich insists he's never going to let this happen. He's considering Kasich as his vice presidential nominee because I think Trump understands two things. You've got to win Ohio and that Ohio's demographics are at least theoretically conducive to Trump winning. But that still doesn't get you to 270 electoral college votes, which is amazing to me that the number 270 never gets talked about in this entire process of all the billions and billions of hours and ink that's wasted discussing uh, this this uh, primary season. The number 270 hardly ever gets used, and it's the only number that matters. Because if you don't get 270 electoral college votes, nothing. Exactly. <laughs> it's all, it, you know. What difference at this point does it make? Right. It, it doesn't matter at all if you don't get 270. So what's the next state? The only other state, and don't buy the BS about Michigan. He's not going to win Michigan. Uh, Hillary got over almost 100,000 more votes in that primary on a terrible, terrible, horrible night for her than he did on a great night. She, she's going to beat him in Michigan. Don't buy the BS about New York. She's beating him by 25, 23, and 17 points in New York in the three polls that have come out recently, uh, head-to-head Hillary and Donald Trump. And he, by the way, he's never been higher than 36% there. So it's, he ain't winning New York. The o- your ceiling, Donald Trump. Right. The, o- the only other state that makes any sense at all is Pennsylvania. Now, I actually am kicking myself for not realizing, in retrospect, that Trump was going to run for president sooner than you know he announced. I mean, I never thought he would. Most people didn't think he would. The conventional wisdom, which is almost always wrong, uh, especially in politics, especially with Trump, uh, said that he would not. But I've mentioned several times that I've met Donald Trump backstage at the Today Show. Yes. And and I went up to him, as I want to do with celebrities, which my <laughs> wife always finds to be hilarious. Or I, you, you heckle them from afar. Well, it's one or the other. Well, yeah, if you're Tiger Woods, you get heckled at the 2010 U.S. <laughs> Open at Pebble Beach. But that's another story for another day. Uh, anyway, I have zero fear of celebrities. And, and so Trump had been very supportive of Joe Paterno and the whole Penn State, quote-unquote, scandal mess that I have been embroiled in for over four years now. And so I wanted to thank him and pick his brain about it. Now, we didn't talk for more than two minutes. You would think if you were a remotely curious person, right? You're Donald Trump. You don't know the details of the case, but you you went out on a limb and you tweeted some support for Joe Paterno and you, you criticized the Penn State Board of Trustees. He was the only major celebrity that had the balls to do it and the brains to figure out that, wait a minute, this story doesn't make any sense. But you would think that if you met somebody like me whose life was basically investigating things, you might have a question or two about the facts of the case, right? You know, tell me about this. No, not never even entered Trump's mind. But that's yeah, not. He doesn't look at facts really. It's n- it's all feeling. whitewash. It's it, all the yeah. It's the gut. It, it, number yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. It's all gut feeling, and you don't matter. It's all about him. But that's not why I'm mentioning the story. The reason I'm mentioning the story is, he mentioned to me, numerous several times in that less than two minutes, how much the people of Pennsylvania love him. Yeah. And I thought. That's weird. That's weird. Why is he obsessed with how the people of Pennsylvania love him? Who? Why does he care? I mean, it's not like you know the rating. How does he know? Well, that <laughs> well he knows because a couple people from Pennsylvania tweeted him saying, you know, thank you for your support. And then in his mind, in his mind, everybody, everyone in Pennsylvania loves him. All right. Well, it's obvious to me in retrospect 
that this was all part of his thinking about how is he going to win the presidency. He's a smart enough guy to know what the demographics of Pennsylvania are, and he's right. Yeah. Pennsylvania, as was famously said by James Carville, is, is Philadelphia and Pittsburgh separated by Alabama. And, you know, you know they're living in Alabama. Alabama is Donald Trump's best state, in, yep. in, probably in the country. And yep. so, um, so theoretically, the demographics of Pennsylvania work out pretty well for Donald Trump. He's not going to win Pennsylvania, <laughs> but, he, <laughs> but in theory, he could. They love him there because, right? They love him, and we know this because he told me this personally, directly. <laughs> he told me this. All right, so so that's his path: Romney, 2012 plus Florida, plus Ohio, plus Pennsylvania. What's the problem with that? Okay, here's the major problem. There's several problems. I'm going to grant. I'm going to grant that everything goes perfectly. Perfectly, which it never will. I mean, I think his convention is going to be a disaster. I think he's going to get his ass kicked in the debates. I think the media is going to torture him. But let's pretend, for sake of argument, everything goes perfectly. I can see, a th- theoretically, somehow he wins Florida, despite the fact he's pissed off millions of Republicans and Rubio voters. So that seems right. like a long shot to me. Um, oh, Kasich might be able to help him win Ohio. Uh Pennsylvania, I still don't think he'll win, but demographically it does fit. But here's the problem. I think he's going to lose North Carolina. I think he's going to lose Indiana. I think he's going to lose Missouri. And guess what? Just this week there were two polls out in Arizona and Utah where in Utah, which is as red as it gets, but it's Mormon and they don't like him, he's losing to Hillary with only 36% of the vote in Utah. 36% 36% in a, not just a must-win state, it's a guaranteed win state. He's only getting 36%. In Arizona, which you would think would be right in his wheelhouse, after all, illegal immigration, big issue in Arizona, he's tied with Hillary at 38%. He can't crack 38% in Arizona or in Utah. In the force, this is... So you're saying, okay, polls, John, I don't believe polls, even though Trump tells you to believe polls when they're good for him. I don't believe polls, and a lot can happen, blah, 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 blah. Head to head with her, he does not have good success in the polls, ever. Okay. That is a fact. All right, but let's go to another fact. Forget about the po- the theoretical polls. Let's talk about actual voting. On Tuesday, there were primaries in Missouri, Ohio, Florida, and North Carolina. Those four states are all... must win for any Republican, and clearly, if Trump is going to win, he's got to win Missouri, Ohio, Florida, and North Carolina. They're must-wins. It's not not an opinion. That's a fact. That's cold, stone fact, all right? In those four states, Hillary got more votes than Donald Trump. Now, well, John, that's because Ted Cruz is in there and John Kasich. But hold on a second. Hold on. Normally, I would say, okay, fine. Trump was going up against three or three and a half candidates, depending on the situation. Rubio was basically off the radar everywhere but Florida. All right. So so I'm going to give you that in a normal situation, that comparison wouldn't necessarily be that valuable. But Trump is unique. We get told that all the time. 
His whole claim is he's bringing out record turnout. He changes the map. He changes the equation. He's got tons of fans that are devoted just to him. Just listen to him. He'll tell you, right? Hillary, yeah. by the way, is unpopular. No one likes her. The term Demo- terrible. The Democratic turnout is, is way down. Well, the Sanders voters who didn't vote for Hillary in those four states are far, far more likely. To say, oh, crap, sure, I'll vote for Hillary against Trump. Yes. Of course. They are. Right. They're going to all vote for Hillary against Trump. You yeah, cannot, they don't care. It's really you, weird. You cannot say that about the – certainly not the Rubio supporters. No. The, uh, uh, probably not the Cruz supporters. And the Kasich supporters aren't that big a group to begin with. So, so don't give me this notion that those numbers don't matter. Are they determinative? No. But here's what they do prove. That in those four states, red states that are must win for Trump, she has slightly more fans than Trump does. And Trump is someone who is living on how many fans he has. And she's oh, not, sure. she's not supposed to have any fans because no one likes her. If you didn't vote for Hillary or Trump in a primary and you live in those states, you're not a fan. You're not a fan, period, end of sentence. And she got more votes than Trump in those four states. And those are must-win states. And so— I And there's just, no reason to come out and vote for her. Right, unless you're a fan. And so despite all that, despite a lack of turnout and all that, she gets more votes in those four states. She got way more votes than him in Michigan, which we're being told a lot of bull crap. He's going to win Michigan. It's just a fantasy. It's a myth. It's Ashley Madison. It's draftedkings.com. It's not real. You've been sold a myth that the conservative media hasn't busted because it's not in their self-interest to bust because they want Trump to win because it's good for their financial self-interest. And I wrote a column about this, which we'll get to in the next segment of the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. If you go to freespeechbroadcasting.com, you'll see two brand new articles that I hope you'll have a chance to check out. One is a, a very extensive and interesting feature done by Talkers Magazine on this program. Uh, so make sure you uh, get a chance to, to read that. It's actually pretty fair and I think uh, pretty compelling. Uh, but maybe more importantly, there's also a new column that I wrote for Mediate, which is a uh, media analysis website owned by Dan Abrams of ABC News, the legal analyst there. And that column was about a, a subject that I've discussed numerous times on the John and Leah show, which is that the conservative media is in the tank for Donald Trump because they perceive their self-interest to be in, intertwined with his, basically their self-interest being exciting content and really good ratings and traffic. And if you Mm -hmm. want to understand the way the conservative media really works or perhaps doesn't work in this particular case and how the Trump phenomenon or Trump sanity really came to be, I urge you to check this out. It went viral in a way that I've never seen anything I've ever written do. Uh, Over 200,000 views, over 24,000 Facebook shares, 
And, Lee, I'm curious as to why – I did not expect this to hit the nerve that it did. I'm curious if you have a theory as to why that happened. Well, I, I think you laid it out so easily for people to understand. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. The whole way that you're going through that article, you know, you kind of take us back in time to remember how this happened. Um, and you laid out also the timing of Trump's announcement uh, that he was going to be running in this in this campaign. And, you know, that was a big aha moment for me because Trump is very smart, you know, when it comes to television and oh, yeah. ratings. Sure. <laughs> and so, you know, he actually you pointed that out in that article. Um, and plus, you know, lots of people have been like, well, Russia's behind him. Hannity's behind him. I mean, it's got to be he's got to be good for America. And you lay out in there exactly what's going on. And I think it resonated with a lot of people. It really did. I mean, I I was stunned um, and I was happy that it did. But it it felt like a lot of people had their eyes opened. I got so many tweets and and messages saying, oh, my gosh, this all makes sense to me now. Uh, I I was so confused before, but now I got the scales have been lifted from my eyes type of thing. Yeah. Uh, And and one of the reasons why it went viral was because Glenn Beck uh, promoted it uh, on his Facebook page saying that this is the bravest thing he's (laughs) ever seen written. And it's 100 percent true, although he did not mention my name. You're a huge Glenn Beck fan. Uh, I am not. What was your reaction to that? Okay, well, I mean, look, my reaction has been, and you don't believe me because you're stuck in the Glenn Beck of 20 years ago. And here's the difference between, I think you and Glenn Beck are so alike, it's scary. And the only really big difference between the two of you is the time. You have this amazing ability to look at upcoming events and be able to say how things are going to go down in the short term, a year, two years, something like that. Glenn Beck works in longer term because he only can see things as they're coming, but it could be five years. So people call him whack jobs till all of a sudden it's upon us. And the two of you together are so similar, yet you call him a fraud. And so for me, when he glommed onto this i thought well naturally he's going to glom onto it it's two people with the same brain <laughs> well it is remarkable how often we agree although when we disagree, yes. we when we disagree we really disagree let me ask you on the fraud issue all right the reason why i think glenn beck is a fraud and it's a further connection that we have is that we both worked on air in louisville kentucky where we're heard on whas in louisville glenn <laughs> was a uh, an apolitical, alcoholic, non-religious DJ sure. in, in Louisville, and then his whole life changed. Now, yes. do, do you think it's coincidence, Leah? I'm, I think you know I'm being rather sarcastic here. Is it a coincidence, do you think, that Glenn Beck would be highly suspicious of a Donald Trump who made a dramatic midlife alteration of his political views do you think it's not possible that maybe the reason glenn is so rightly suspicious of donald trump's conversion is that he knows his own conversion was a load of horse crap okay there's a huge difference here a huge difference and you know maybe you don't have any experiences with alcoholism or drug abuse or anything like that but uh 
many, many people. In fact, Alcoholics Anonymous is based around you hit... You know, rock bottom, yeah. and, and you have no other choice but to you've get got a new no career. Other choice. You get no, but, you but get listen, a new career and a new political perspective, no and you way. buy into God and Jesus, and and all. And I'm just saying, Look, it's an interesting coincidence that somebody who made a midlife change is highly suspicious. Yes, but of see, there's no change the in Donald Trump. Yes, there if, is. He and was a Glenn Democrat. talks about that all the time. If there was a moment that Donald Trump could point to, this is why. I changed my opinion on abortion. Yeah. This is why I changed my opinion on this. There's not one. See, with Glenn Beck, it's real. Oh. There <laughs> is a period of time yeah. where you can go, oh, my goodness. Okay, well, and you see him coming out of it. Yeah. With Donald Trump, there's or, no or, aha moment. Or Glenn's just smart That's enough. That's why it's suspicious. Or at least Glenn is smart enough to realize you need the aha moment to pull the wool over people's eyes like you. I mean, that, that's what Glenn's done. Glenn's a if smart guy. If you listen guy. to him, Glenn is a I've very, listened to him for a, years, he's a and smart there's guy. just no question. It's he, authentic. He's a very entertaining. Maybe a little kooky sometimes. Well, he's authentic. Well, how, how's the price of gold doing, Leah? How's the price of gold? How many people have lost money because of Glenn Beck on gold? All right. Well, hey, our, when it our, goes down, that's the time to buy it. Uh, hour number three. Are you kidding? Hour number three <laughs> coming up next. I'm John Leah.